Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Sharkpreneur Podcast with Kevin Harrington and Seth Green. Kevin Harrington is the inventor of the infomercial, one of the original sharks from the hit TV show Shark Tank, and has generated over $5 billion in TV and digital direct response sales. Seth Green is the world's first trusted authority on cutting-edge direct response marketing, a best-selling author, and the only three-time Marketer of the Year nominee. On the podcast, Kevin and Seth interview sharkpreneurs who share straight talk on what it takes to explode your business. Why do so many businesses struggle while others seem to explode overnight? Do you wish you had the secret to this type of exponential growth? Now, I've scaled more than 20 businesses to over $100 million, and it's not just luck. In my new book with Mark Tim, Mentor to Millions, you'll learn the repeatable framework I use in all my business ventures for massive success. Order at KevinMentor.com and get over $1,000 in bonuses. Head to KevinMentor.com. Welcome to the podcast. This is your host, Seth Green. Today, I've got the good fortune to be joined by Terry Gaffney from Overstreet Wealth. Uh, special shout out to financial advisor, Bob Lehman, who introduced us. Terry, thanks so much for joining us. Oh, welcome. Uh, it was nice to be here. So let's go back in time a little bit. How did you get started in the business? Uh, well, uh, my background is in, um, I have a law degree. I have an accounting undergrad from the Florida State University, as we say, and a law degree from the University of Florida and what is called an LLM in taxation from the University of Florida. And what that degree is, it's a second law degree specializing in taxes. Wow. Okay. So we've got accounting, we've got law, we've got taxation. You are a certainly well-credentialed expert. So what inspired you to become a lawyer? I always wanted to be one when I was a little girl. So I have to say um, my father was in the FBI and a couple of times he took me to see um, cases in federal court and that was exciting. Um, but I didn't go the route of doing litigation in federal court, but it was very exciting. I remember sitting in a case with uh, uh, federal court judge uh, Terrell Hodges and just be amazed at the, the whole proceedings. That is absolutely incredible. What an experience at, at, at a younger age. And then um, how did the focus in tax come about? I went to college and you know how you go to school, you're not sure what you major in. I've always liked math and the the numbers. And so I took an accounting class my freshman year. And from then on, I loved it. And I did well in it. It was uh, what I enjoyed. And so I did accounting. I graduated magna 
cum laude from Florida State and then went to law school and then accounting and tax sort of go together. So it was a logical fit. That makes a lot of sense. And then talk a little bit about your career path from where you started to kind of where you are now. Well, I had an interesting career path because I started out in uh, uh, firms, uh, law firms, but then I wanted to do some uh, account, a CPA tax work because that's the gr- grunt of it. And I had a friend, a wonderful gentleman by, he's passed away now, Terry Aidman, who had a, a huge uh, CPA firm. And I worked with him for a while and I really got the nuts and bolts of it. And then I went back and started in a estate planning, uh, well, uh, basically a financial planning firm. And that's where I am now. Okay. And then talk a little bit about the work you're doing now, who you're doing it for, who's an ideal client for you. Well, what's kind of fun is who who you do it for. You do it for the average person who really just needs to make sure they're okay and protected. And as well as people who have quite a bit of money and have businesses. And so you run the gambit. But what I always tell people, and the most important thing is when my two children turned 18, they got a power of attorney, healthcare surrogate, and living will for their 18th birthday. And they weren't that excited about it. Apparently, that's not can't imagine why not. <laughs> I thought it was a wonderful gift. Um, and uh, what you, what you want to do is just to make sure that if something happens to you, someone can speak for you. So that's why those three documents are so important. If you're in a car accident, you go to the hospital, who's going to talk to the doctor? Who is going to make sure your, your electric bill is paid? Those are the three important documents that happen while you're in your life. And the easy example of that is something that happened to me. when I, After I had my daughter, I had to go in for a medical procedure. My appendix looked bad but wasn't about to erupt. Well, they would have needed my permission. Instead of going and waking me up and rescheduling a surgery, they went out to my husband who had my healthcare surrogate. He signed off on it. So it doesn't have to be this dire problem, but you just want to make sure someone speaks for you. So I always tell people, no matter what you do, please at least get those three documents so that you're protected while you're alive. And while, you know, if something bad happens, someone can take care of your finances. Now, a lot of times with the power of attorney, they can be separated out and even made more defined where you might have a power of attorney just to do your real estate work, just to do your financials. It just depends. Nothing has to be set in stone and you don't want, you don't want a cookie cutter or anything. You want it to, to actually pertain to that person. And that comes back with our end of life documents, which is our healthcare surrogate and living will. The healthcare surrogate is the one where if you're in the hospital, you're having surgery, you want somebody outside that room holding that piece of paper saying, what's going on? What are the procedures? What do they need? The living will is what you want at your end of life. And that's all personal. And I always tell people there are no right or wrong answers. You think about it. You decide what do you want. And those are really very, very important documents. And then you come back to, okay, and then what about the estate planning? Well, estate planning is very important, but you want to make sure you're okay for the living part. But when you pass away, you want to make sure your assets go where you want them to go. You want to make sure that, you know, it's not going into probate litigation or it's not going into that situation. What, what goes on? And then we, we divide that. So you have now, you have a lot of family offices uh, for, for large families, uh, very, very wealthy families that are doing multi-generational estate planning. But you can also do it for people who just have homes and maybe a retirement, a 401k, an IRA. And you want to make sure they're protected. And they're very simple 
things that people can do. And one of the things is you say, talk about, do you want a will or do you want a will and a trust? People are like, oh, I don't have enough money for a trust. If you own a home, you have a retirement, you do because you can avoid probate. You sit there and you put your assets inside the trust. You have what's called a pour over will. The, the assets go from the pour over, well, the assets stay in your trust and you avoid probate. And it makes it easy. You can close probate. It takes a little bit longer. A trust takes very short period of time. Uh, and so that's the kind of stuff you really want to do. So you put your assets in the trust. And how you do that is like people are going, well, how do you do that? You take your bank account and you put your bank account in the name of your trust with you as the trustee. If you're married, it'd be your, your spouse could be co-trustee. And you give these documents to your bank and they basically know who your trustee is, the current ones, and who would be your successor. Now, at the time you're alive, your trust has the same tax identification number, which people know as your social security number. So your social security number and the trust social security number are one and the same when you're alive. So that means nothing changes. So you, your, your brokerage account would be in the name of your trust with your social security number, your IRAs, your 401ks, same type of situation. None of that changes. When you pass away, then it, it, uh, that, that matter ends. What people don't realize is after you pass away, you still have to file your final 1040. Um, the IRS requires that. Which I remember my daughter being in the office saying, the person's dead. Why do they still have to file a tax return? I go, it's the law. They still have to file the final. And after that, your trust would take over with its new tax identification number. Um, employer identification number is also how it's referred to. So it's a when you go in, it's an SS4 EIN online number that you look for. And you sit there and you get it, the new tax identification number. And as long as the trust is in existence, it has to file a, um, a tax return under that tax identification number. But you... So it's a nice little transition and it rolls over. If you have in, if you're going into probate, uh, for whatever reason you chose to do a will, uh, you would have to get a tax identification number, employer identification number, they're interchangeable for uh, the estate. So again, so those are, the, those are the initial considerations. So people say, well, why would I have a trust versus a will? A couple different things. You don't have to be super rich to have a trust. A trust is a very flexible document. A trust is something that's very private. We don't have to file it in a court of law or with the clerk of the court. Your will does. So where your assets going become public record. A trust is a private document. A trust is very, as I said, very flexible as my kids. And I love writing trusts. So I write them as my kids grew up. I was like, ah, I'm going to do it this way this year's and, and they were sort of my guinea pigs on how I wanted, I was thinking of children as they grow up and what you want to do. And in a trust, you could be very flexible. You could sit there and say, oh, wow, they're 13 and they're horrible. I don't want them, you know, you know, spending every dime. So you could set it up and have the trust distribute assets over a period of time to your children. Um, as they grew, you might say, wow, they're very mature. They're very responsible. They can have it all at once but you get to be very flexible with the trust. I, I like that because I can be a little bit more flexible. A couple different things you can do with the trust. You can say, okay, my child can't receive assets until they're a third at 21, a third at 25, a third at 30. 
those are just random numbers and random dis, uh, distributions of how you set it up. But you always want to keep it available so that if the trustee sees that something's going on with your child, they can invade the principle of the trust for what we call MESH standards, which is maintenance, education, support, and health. So if, if your child were needed a liver transplant not covered by their insurance, and there's a million dollars sitting in the trust, and you're like, well, you're not 25, you can't have it, that would be absurd. So we sit there and we, we can write in these little fail-safes so the child is protected. As you get, um, you know, I've written them some because of what parents want. They want the 25, 30, and maybe 40. Uh, Daniel Craig doesn't want to give any of his children any of his inheritance. I think he's worth 160 million. But there would be a way to, to say, okay, I want to give my child a basic amount. I, I think Johnny Carson did that, where it was a, a $50,000 a year type thing where he gave to his children. So they at least always had some income. So you can be as flexible and make it tailored made to your needs and wants. It's, it's, it's kind of fun to write and they're kind of interesting. And it really... It, it reflects the person and their family and what they want their children to do or be like. When you, I think when you do it over time, it sometimes alleviates that like, oh gosh, I don't want my child just to go buy the, the red you know, Corvette and, and, and not spend it on education. And then you see people who have children who are just uh, so responsible. It's like, why bother just you know, they're responsible, just give it to them. But you have to, you have to go back and forth on that. And it's, it's a fun document to write. And it's a fun document to maintain, because you can really take care of that um, succeeding generation by, by documentation. Now, a couple a of, of, oh, I was gonna say, I, that makes a ton of sense. You've uh, crammed a lot in, in that last answer. What are some of the most common mistakes people make when it comes to planning their estate and doing these kinds of things? Common part is they do stuff like, um, I'm, not, I'm just going to put a pay on death or something to that effect or put my kid's name on it. If you have just a child and you say, everything's going to my child, Johnny, that's fine. But don't put his name on your assets because those assets become his assets. And there are horror stories that I could go into and probably talk for hours on cases we've had to take care of where Johnny gets into a, a car accident, Johnny gets sued. Well, the assets of the estate include, of his estate include your estate because his name is on there. And one of the, one case we dealt with dealt with a bankruptcy where the child was unaware that his parents had put his name on their bank accounts. Well, the bank, the trustee found it because the social security number's there and those assets in that bank account became part of the bank account estate. They had to go pay off the debt of, of the child. So those are little things that you don't think of and you say, well, gee, I only have one child. It's going to be pay on death or joint tenants with right or survivorship. Well, those assets become your child's assets. And so those are the kind of things you just want to really stay away from. The other thing is, what if you have a special needs child? What if that child has getting social security disability or um, SSI or something to that effect and they have limited income and you, they inherit $100,000 from you, which is not going to take care of them for the rest of their life, but that would eliminate the ability to get the benefits. Well, under social security law, we're allowed to do what's called a special needs trust. And it's a discretionary trust 
that allows a trustee to help the child that has the special needs obtain money through the estate, but under a, an approved special needs trust so that we don't vitiate the, um, the, the, the inheritance. We don't lose their benefits because a lot of times it's the medical with those benefits that are just awesome that you don't want to lose. So it's that kind of issue that you want to make sure is protected. Absolutely. Now, uh, quick legal disclaimer, you are in the state of Florida. So yes. for everybody watching or listening, Terry's advice applies. If you live in the state of Florida, if you do not, please seek legal counsel license in your state. Now, you I don't want to assume anything. You talked earlier about, about the avoiding probate. Why do we want to avoid probate in the first place? Uh, just because it takes a little bit longer. You go, you have to go to court. It takes time. The court's especially now with COVID, the courts were backed up. Uh, with trust, everything can be switched over immediately. So it's a time factor. It can also be more expensive to go through probate. You have, you have, to, you have filing fees. You have to pay an attorney. A lot of times with the trustee, it's just a little bit easier and cheaper to have the trustee just uh, get through and uh, approve the assets right away. And that comes back, what kind of trustee do you want? And that's a big issue that I tell people to sit there and think about. Do you want a family member to be a trustee? Do you want a professional trustee, uh, professional or a corporate trustee? And I go, those are, again, personal decisions. Uh, you can have your attorney as trustee. Um, but I always think it's if you have a financial planner or a, a, a bank that you like, you may want to use a professional trustee. And that comes back to, and, and it's a similar case. I have somebody who has 21 relatives, but only five are going to get inherited an inheritance from this person well do you don't want one of the five to to be the trustee because that may engender well you know you kept us out it was undue influence if you have a professional trustee it kind of eliminates that issue and sometimes there gets to be problems with one child if it's a children might be go well gosh you know mom and dad like me better or you better and, and you don't the trustee, if you use a professional, eliminates that. But again, know your children, know your family. In some cases, um, the children work just perfectly. They, they get along. There's no issues. I had one case where one of the children had been in bankruptcy. So the, um, the father had changed his state. The kid didn't, would not inherit. Well, he forgot to switch it back. Years later, he dies. And so one child gets everything, the other child gets nothing. Um, but the child who got everything was like, that's not what my father wanted. She was the trustee. And I was like, if I could just have all my clients like you, <laughs> she gave half to her brother. So, yeah, so there's, there's always the good stories on that. So you have to know your family and know it. So I always tell people, speak to your attorney, talk to them. Let them know what's going on in your family. What you tell your attorney is attorney-client privilege. Um, sometimes we know more about the kids than they think we do, but that's okay because then we know how to properly plan for their estate. The other thing is maybe if you have quite a bit of assets, get a team together. Do a team approach. Have your, have your attorney deal with your CPA and your financial advisor and have a team look at everything. That works great if you have a lot of assets and you have multifamily issues. You wanna make sure that you know 
am I going to, if I, if they inherit this, what is going to happen to them tax wise and all that. So you want to look at the, it's almost like a 3d chess game and you want to make sure that everything is just uh, put together in a really appropriate manner. So I always advise, but it's, it's a personal document. I don't like cookie cutter because you really want to make sure that every single person um, really benefits from how you set up your estate. Absolutely. Uh, how are clients finding you? Um, well, interesting enough, I was born in Tampa. So a lot of my clients are um, know me from just being here. The doctor who delivered me was one of my clients. So he passed away. Talking about someone who's known you your whole life. Uh, that was fun. And um, uh, I joined uh, BNI. And I have picked up new, besides making incredible friends, I picked up uh, new clients and, and a difference, you know, which is interesting because these are people I didn't know and now I do know. And so that's been um, probably a lot of fun. Plus you really, uh, if anyone hasn't been in BNI, that is really an, an exceptional organization. Um, I like it because it makes me look better in a lot of ways because I, I have a lot of older clients and I had one that had termites and, and she goes, who should I use? And I was like, I have no idea. Let me ask someone at BNI. And then you get, you get great referrals, people who have been, you know, tested, they do great work. And my clients are like, wow, that was awesome. Thank you for such a great referral. So I looked fantastic and, um, and it, it, it makes me look good. I have a case where I do some business uh, work and I didn't know the type of insurance they actually would need. I went to one of my uh, BNI friends, somebody I'm in a, the same chapter with, and he explained to me exactly what I needed. Uh, it was, it's a particular industry. I don't want to go through it because of attorney-client privilege, but that industry needs specific type of insurance. I didn't, I didn't know that. So when I go back to my client and I propose all this and I show them, he goes, wow, you really know your insurance. And I go, no, I didn't. I had a wonderful resource, a great person who's going to be doing your insurance. So it's, it's kind of that um, a wonderful organization that I think we refer people to other people, but people refer it back. But it, it's uh, what it, that great expression, the sum of the parts is greater than the whole. And it's just what happens in it. So that's another method of getting clients. Awesome. Well, your passion is obvious. Your expertise is incredible. For our folks watching or listening who want to learn more, where is the best place for them to go to find you? Uh, they can reach me at um, terry at overstreetwealth.com. That's T-E-R-R-I at overstreetwealth.com or the phone 813-287-1159. And because we're now virtual, that phone is answered by everybody uh, wherever they're located. They've set it up in such a way Again, great IT people. I don't have to know about it. They just explained it to me. Awesome. All right. Well, then, uh, again, thank you so much. This has been Seth Green. Uh, thanks to Bob Lehman for introducing us. We've been talking with Terry Gaffney of Overstreet Wealth. Terry, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you, Seth. It was pl my pleasure. Thanks, everybody, for watching or listening. We'll see you or talk to you next time. Do you need money to fund your idea, product, or service? Are you ready to take your business to the next level but need capital to get it done? Kevin Harrington has heard more than 50,000 pitches and knows how to help you make the perfect pitch to get the funding for your entrepreneurial dream. He's distilled the process down in his perfect pitch cheat sheet, and it's yours for free. Just text PITCH to him right now at 727-888-2100. Text PITCH to 727-888-2100 right now and claim your free 
perfect pitch cheat sheet. Text PITCH to 727-888-2100 to start funding your dream today. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.